The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Welcome to Talk is Jericho. It's the pod of thunder and rock and roll. And we got a live one today. The Duff McKagan joke of the week. Hey, uh, Chris Jericho. It's Duff McKagan calling you. Check it out. I just saw a guy that looked like, looked like shit. Hold on. Start over. Hey, Chris Jericho. It's Duff McKagan. I just got to... Hold on. I got to start this all over. Hey, Chris Jericho. It's Duff McKagan. I just saw a guy who looks like Sting. In the red light district here in Amsterdam. Yeah, he was getting a massage in the brothel. Thank you very much. <laughs> a massage in a brothel. Yeah. Got love Duff. Third time is the charm for that one. I uh, had to leave those multiple attempts in this part of the charm of the Duff McKagan joke of the week. And I'm uh, still, uh, if you don't sing it, it's hard to, to get the joke. Massage in a brothel. But thanks to Duff for calling in the joke of the week. Every single week, never misses. Uh, and the Tenderness Tour starts September 25th back in the United States. Go see Duff and Shooter Jennings and their killer band doing Duff's solo album. Stuff from a solo record. A couple of great Guns N' Roses tunes. Dust and Bones, man. I want to see that one. Get your tickets at DuffOnline.com. Uh, and also get your tickets uh, to see Impact when they come to town. Because guess what? They're hard to kill. Impact making a huge announcement this week that they are now, uh, well, Anthem, their parent company, has bought uh, Access TV, the home of New Japan Pro Wrestling and uh, World, uh, WOW, uh, World of Women Wrestling. And now Impact will be debuting on Access TV all across uh, the states. It's a huge, huge, huge coup. And uh, heads of TNA, the, uh, the uh, creative minds, the... The presidents uh, of TNA, Don Callis and Scott Demore, join us today. The announcement was just made earlier this afternoon, and now they're here live on Talk is Jericho for an exclusive, an exclusive report, an exclusive reveal on how they were able to get onto Access TV and all of the improvements they've made over the uh, last few years since they took over the position of running uh, Impact Creative. The stars they've made, the stars that uh, they think they can be uh, even more impactful, no pun intended. It's a great conversation with two of my oldest friends in the business. Coming up right here on Talk is Jericho. All right. Here we go. Uh, Don Callis and Scott Demore. Hard to Kill Impact is now on Access TV uh, live right here on Talk is Jericho. Here we go. After begging me, pleading with me to give you a rush last minute spot here on a coveted Friday night on Talk is Jericho. Uh, Don Callis, Scott Demore. And Demore, I called you and you didn't answer. And I know you just did that to big league me. Well, I think you've been doing it to me for 25 years. It was my turn. You said you couldn't find your phone. Well, yeah, you'd appreciate it. It's because, it's because I was, like, running into a Tim Hortons to get the chili, and I still had the earbuds or AirPods in, but I didn't know where my phone was. It was still in the truck. <laughs> Top-level executive, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, actually, though, it's very, very exciting time for you guys. You were on uh, Talk is Jericho I don't know what it was, a year ago, two years ago, whatever time frame it was, when you guys basically took over uh, Impact Wrestling and been through a lot of trials and tribulations. But I'd have to say um, the announcement that came out earlier this week, probably one of the biggest moments in the history of, of your time in the company, if not the company's history overall. Yeah, I, I think that uh, this week is a groundbreaking week for Impact Wrestling. 
because you look at the history of Impact Wrestling for so many years, you know, its predecessor TNA was on the rise, and then it spent years on the decline and always going to smaller and smaller platforms, reducing its audience size, reducing its footprint. And here's now for the first time in many years where from a linear broadcast perspective, we've made a huge jump forward and not just with a broadcast deal, but with our parent company, Anthem Sports and Entertainment, purchasing a majority interest and controlling interest in access TV. So it's a, it's a great day for, you know, time for impact wrestling. And I think for wrestling fans and, in general, on, on so many levels, is obviously you've been at the forefront of so many great things lately. It's great to see everybody succeeding. I think that, um, you know, the interesting thing, like, Chris, you and I have talked about it. It's like you've commented on how you like the show and what we're doing. And uh, and other people, like Dave Meltzer said, it's the best, best book, best written wrestling show on TV. And I think I said to you, it's like, you know, we've kind of been the Rolling Stones playing in someone's garage, like, the music's great, but not enough people are hearing it. So I think now we've got a platform where the excitement that we've created the last number of months with the storylines, with a great roster, and we've got some of the changes and the signings. Now more people are going to get to see it and uh, and can decide, you know, what they like, and we think they're going to love it. It's one of those things, too, and let's just kind of go through everything for people that don't know. Basically, Anthem, who are your parent company, basically bought Access TV. Is that is that correct in saying? That is. We purchased a majority interest, and the, the cool part of this transaction is not only do we now own and control the network, but our partners in it are Mark Cuban, who I think wrestling fans and a lot of people know very well, a billionaire on the highest level, and uh, the AEG Group, which owns and operates and, and, and manages as many venues as any company around the country. So the, the synergies with us and our partners now is something we're really excited about moving forward with. It's great too, though, because I mean, right. I, what I was always saying when, you know, a couple years ago, when you talk about Tony Khan getting into the wrestling business, and then of course, Vince is Vince and you throw in Sinclair, but the, the kind of the, the under, uh, not underrated, but kind of the, the, the lesser known fact is that, Anthem are also owned by billionaires. So it's a huge, huge coup to, to acquire Access TV from Mark Cuban and, of course, how much you know how much financial power he has. How, how long ago did you guys hear about this and how much were you involved in kind of the negotiations uh, to, to acquire this? I think one thing I would say, I, think it, I mean, it's been going on for some time. I think The Observer reported that this had been going on since uh, late... 2018. And I think that one of the things that is very interesting to me was a comment made by a longtime employee here who's been here since the beginning, 2002. And he said to me, Don, he said, this, this company has never had this stability. Even with the very large rights fees that came with the spike deal, he said, I was there for that. And we're always wondering, like, when's the shoe going to drop? When is something going to happen? Because we're totally dependent on this deal. He said, we've never had this kind, not just the backing, not just the partners, but we own the network. We own the platform. And so that was from a guy who has that perspective. And I think that for me, I was like, wow, because I haven't been around since 04. So I didn't know. And that for me was very telling. It's amazing because, I mean, I know, both you guys have worked there before. I know Scott's worked there quite exclusively, but it really is kind of like one of those endearing stories where where Impact, formerly known as TNA, it's the company that that won't die. It's like one of those movies from the '60s, the Beast that wouldn't die. I, I it's unbelievable to me how you guys keep getting uh, back on your feet again and again and again, and once again starting with 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 bringing in you. And, and Scott DeMore to run the company, which I knew from a creative standpoint would be the best the, the best booking that maybe yeah. they've ever had. But now this is one of the strongest platforms after you just came from being on the Pursuit Channel, which, you know, you got to live in the woods to, to be able to see it. I love, Scott knows, uh, I love Steven Seagal movie titles. And I, and I think our, our first pay-per-view of 2020 should be hard to kill because that was one of his names. But it's sort of apropos based on what you're saying, Chris. It totally is, but I mean, what do you think, Scott? Yeah, you, you've worked yeah, there quite quite frequently. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I think the uh, the comment that, that Don made from a from a longtime employee is really true. I mean, there was a lot of turbulence even through the TNA 
uh, era on Spike. And I think that if there's something that we've done in the last, you know, year and a half plus is we've been a steady hand. We came on your show, you know, almost two years ago before, you know, we even really stepped in the door. We we're just getting our feet wet. And we said this was going to be a long-term play from the top to the bottom. And we said Anthem is in this long-term. Let Asper is in this long-term. And we're going to take slow, incremental steps to improve this product. If you look at the improvements we made in the digital world in the last 18, 20 months, I think they're, they're impressive as can be. I mean, we built a huge, massive digital platform on social media, on YouTube, and then now with our own Impact Plus platform. One of the hard things for us to do, and it was really hard for me and Don to do, was, you know, sit there and know that we were making this move to pursuit. We knew it was short term. We knew it was going to allow us to have growth in other areas. But we also knew it was part of the long-term plan to get us where we are today. You know, as Don alluded to, I mean, it's been reported. This has been a long-term plan, this access situation. This goes back into last year. This is one of the factors that weighed into why we were comfortable going on pursuit knowing it was a short-term uh, situation because it gave us the ability to be able to flex and move like this. So it's, uh, it's, I think it's the stability that it provides, I think is something that has never been seen in this company. And uh, I think now, Don said, now the Rolling Stones get to go out there and play somewhere other than in someone's garage. Was it hard for you guys to, to have to bite your lip? And because there's a great story about when the Beatles were making Sgt. Pepper in like 67 and it took them a year to make it or whatever. And usually the Beatles had made three albums in a year and everyone was like, the Beatles are done. They're done. They'll never come back. And, and you know, McCartney and Leonard were kind of just sitting there like, all right, all right, motherfuckers, just wait till you see what we got coming up. Was that something that was hard for you guys to kind of not want to reach out and lash out at these guys or to leak the secret, so to speak? Yeah. I think it's, yeah, and you it's, know, it, it, yeah, of course. I mean, because uh, as an insider, you know why you're doing things and you're Scott and I more than anyone would have loved to have had this happen faster, but th this is a massive deal. Massive deals take time. Things come up. You have to deal with it. One of the things that Scott and I would talk about, cause it's like, we do a show and there was some great stuff the last six months of stuff with Johnny impact and Brian cage, some of the other stuff that's gone on lately and we'd go, wow, like last week's show was awesome. And then I would look at Scott or he'd look at me and we'd be like, I feel like we should be saving this stuff for when we're on a bigger platform. Right. But we've had the philosophy, the two of us, uh, that we've agreed on, which is we're in the business of putting out the best wrestling show every week that we possibly can, you know, and in the past, regardless of platform. Um, and we're going to continue to do that. And it's, it's not like, you know, we have no ideas left. We, we did a lot of good TV this year. We've made a lot of great moves with characters and talent, and that's going to continue. But of course, you know, sometimes you look at each other and go, can you imagine if we we're putting this show with this crew on a major platform? And now we get to do it. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Uh, yeah, and speaking of details, it's funny because you're mentioning all these great shows that you guys had, and Don, you sent them to me uh, quite a bit when you first started out, and it was almost like, you know, if, if an Impact Wrestling show falls in the forest, does anybody hear it? And, um, yeah. you know, because, I mean, I think it was Pursuit, like, I don't know what you guys were getting, 10,000 viewers per show or 20,000 viewers per show. I mean, I don't even really know. What, was there any way to even track the numbers for, for what you guys were? were yeah, they were. were I mean, Scott. Yeah, I think they weren't. They weren't. I. They certainly weren't what we would have liked. That'd <laughs> be mm -hmm. a nice way to put it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, look. There's no question that the going on pursuit. It's a. It's a niche channel. You know, for outdoorsmen. It was. Uh, it was a stopgap. And you know, as Don alluded to, it was hard a lot of weeks to go out there and know we're putting on our A game. And the other thing is knowing that our athletes are going out there and really putting their, their bodies on the line and putting on the type of performances they were on, uh, on that platform. But I think it's, you know, you, you take a positive spin on things that allowed us to grow and develop a, a wider and bigger relationship with Twitch. 
We have to always be cognizant of a company with the fact that we are not just a U.S. company. We have uh, broadcast deals all over the world. We switched to five star in uh, in the U.K., which is a great move for us. You know, we have a great partner in Sony in India. Um, so it's important that we go out there and we do that and for our ever-growing uh, digital presence. But there was a lot of days where it was it was quite frustrating to, to know we were doing that. And there's a lot of times where, you know, Don and myself had to sit there and talk to the talent and other associated people and, and say, high faith, because there's good things coming and we're going to get there as a group. And you're dealing with at times, you know, the stigma of the reputation of previous regimes where trust me meant somebody was going to F you very, very soon. So we've worked very hard to, to try to develop some trust and, you know, try to deliver on what we, on what we promise and you know, ideally over deliver, which I think we often do, and just go out there and be, you know, relatively transparent and upfront and supportive. And I think our locker room and our group has certainly survived and, and flourished in that type of situation. And we're uh, we're thankful for all the work, and we're we're pretty stoked to be able to to make this move with them. We got a pretty awesome group. Let's talk about you mentioned the social media numbers, and once again, I think once Impact moved to Twitch or uh, to uh, Pursuit. People kind of thought that you guys were off the radar, but you've done some pretty big social media numbers and YouTube views and that sort of thing. It's it's kind of on the higher echelon uh, in the business, if, if if I'm not mistaken. Fill me in on that. Yeah, we're. Um, I mean, we did a study a while ago where we looked at you know our social media impact versus. I mean, AEW wasn't around at the time, but you know, versus Ring of Honor, versus New Japan, versus WWE, and. Uh, I know Scott and I were in the same meeting when the numbers were presented and, you know, some of them, like I knew we were doing well, um, but some of them were kind of like, holy cow, like I think we were, was it 10 times Ring of Honor and seven times New Japan, Scott, in terms of the awareness uh, off of social? Yeah, I think, I mean, it was, I think it was actually higher with New Japan than like the differential than that. It was, it was, and you know, it's something that is great that puts us at the forefront on, on the digital end. You know, digitally, like, I think um, one area digital is not yet caught up to linear television is in terms of rights fees and things like that. And it's in talking to some people from Silicon Valley and different places where they do this for a living. My question when they would pitch Scott and I, I would always say, okay, this all sounds great. How do we monetize it? And that's the million dollar question with digital. And it's getting there. Digital these days is almost kind of like the wrestling business became a few years ago. It's it's not about one big revenue stream. It's about multiple revenue streams. So much like if you're a wrestler and you've got your merch, you got your pro wrestling tees, you know, you got your gimmicks, you got your bookings here and there, you got your signings. Uh, Digital is kind of like that. There's there's multiple revenue streams, but at some point, uh, as you know, you've got kids, Chris. I mean, people are consuming it more and more, and and eventually. Uh, it'll catch up in terms of rights fees and whatnot with, with linear programming. It's just not quite there yet. Well, I mean, like you said, the, the whole world is basically gone digital and streaming, all that sort of thing. I think just more from a perception standpoint, though, you have to have that TV, uh, especially when, like I said, I mean, we, we could talk candidly here. I'm sure you guys felt it. It was almost like not a laughing stock, but people are like, oh, gosh, now they're on Pursuit. What is that? Can I even watch that? Uh, so the perception of being on Access TV might even be worth even more than 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 the reality that you're on it. Yeah, I think I think definitely wrestling fans know Access TV. It's a, it's a destination for wrestling programming. It's a brand name. It's a Mark Cuban product, and it's something that that certainly brings the prestige back. And I think it's been a frustrating ride for for fans that have followed historically this company. Because they've seen it, you know, slide from Spike to Destination America to Pop, and then to go to Pursuit, it was like, okay, like maybe this is this is finally the last of it. So this now upward move towards towards access, I think, is rejuvenated, uh, you know, part of the fan base that was jaded, and for the very sizable fan base that, that we still have that is often quiet on a lot of these things, they're excited because. They're now, they've been along for a ride, and it's almost like, like, I'm a Toronto Maple Leafs fan. I mean, it's not an easy thing Sorry to about be. that. So when you get to share in your team's successes, uh, they're, they're a little, little stronger, and they mean a little more than some others do. So for this year, for our fans that have suffered through a lot, what they've seen now 
is two years of consistently going out there and working hard, but maybe questioning whether there was hope. Now they've seen that there's not just hope, reality. How did you tell the uh, the roster? Did you have a company-wide memo, or did you just kind of keep it quiet, let people find out? Because I'm sure this must be very gratifying for you, because both of you guys are such egomaniacs, uh, as I've known both of you for going on 30 years. It must have been quite, like I said, for people to go, oh, geez, well, they're on pursuit, and now they're like, holy shit, Don and, 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 uh, and Damore did it. That must have felt very gratifying from a, from a personal standpoint, but also for, for the talent that is in well, any way stuck by you over the last couple of years. Yeah, I think that, um, I think first of all, you know, to give fair credit, uh, Ed Nordholm, the president of the company, uh, I don't know how many hundreds of hours that Ed worked on this deal. He's really the, you know, one of the real heroes here, more so than Scott and I, who, you know, Scott and I tend to get blamed for stuff uh, maybe too much and maybe sometimes get too much credit. But Ed did a great job. Um, it's hard because it's like, and I'm probably a little more like long memory and a bit vindictive when I read things about this company <laughs> and, or, or where someone specific says something. And I'm like, okay. And then, and then it's like, I can't wait for this deal to close so that I can call this person and tell them what I think of them. So, I mean, it's, it's kind of one of those things, but it's like, we can't do that. Right. So it's uh, kind of onward and upward. And the, the best part about this uh, for me, it's like, it's the roster. Like you said, they have been waiting and waiting. And it's like, we've been dying to give them this news, of course. And it came when it came. And um, just in talking to some of the talented, I know Scott has, the, the the sense of not just relief, but I mean, jubilation, because it's everything, right? It's not just, hey, we're on a good we're on a good channel now where people actually watch wrestling. It's also like, holy cow, I didn't know this company was big enough to pull off buying a network. Right. And I believe Leonard is the first Canadian to own a U.S. television network, which is, you know, saying something about Leonard Asper and those kind of uh, investing balls of steel, if you will. It's pretty exciting for the talent, and it's edifying for us to know that the talent is kind of all in, for lack of a better word. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. All right, we're talking about uh, the different guys on your roster and um, getting away just uh, just from... Actually, I wanted to make one last point. That's, that was what I was saying earlier but I think people forgot just how much money Anthem has and in buying and acquiring uh, a U.S. television station. And does that kind of say that there's uh, not more money available, but it kind of tells the uh, story that you guys have some money behind you if you have the right uh, uh, reason to spend it? Certainly, uh, this acquisition is an eye-opener for people, I think, to see that we're not going to be frivolous like like previous people have been here, but when there's when there's a time to spend and it makes sense, we're going to invest in the uh, in the long term future for this company. Don, what were you going to say? Oh, I I saw a rumor, and of course, like you know, it's funny how a lot of the rumors, like over the last year and a half, have been like, oh, like they're not going to last, they're not going to last. This deal gets announced, all of a sudden, I saw a rumor that we were buying Ring of Honor. So. Uh, it's funny how uh, one event like this can completely change people's perception. Now we're buying everything. So I'll take that over the other option. When you talk about, uh, you know, the television deal aside, and we mentioned whether it was on, you know, when you finished up with Pop and moved to Pursuit and now being on Access, uh, one thing you guys have done a great job with is really uh, restructuring the company and kind of getting rid of, of, of the, the, the tainted past shall we speak, of, of, of TNA. It's something that you guys spoke about when you first came on, and you've actually pretty much done a lot of uh, damage control and made, made the, 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 the programs very, very entertaining and very well thought out. Um, tell us a little bit about that journey. 
Well, I mean, I, I think uh, uh, that uh, you alluded to it was our it was the first thing that we we knew that we had to tackle was was how we were going to differentiate ourselves from what the company was. We had to show people what it was going to be, and and part of it was just consistently going out there. We knew there wasn't going to be any giant flashes or or you know that was TNA's history was always there was it was the dangling carrot as we used to always joke about it. it was always management dangling this next big thing that was going to change everything instantly and when we went out there is we just we just went out there week after week day after day we uh, we put out good solid products our production team you know pulled together to, to to pull off things that we really never should have we revamped a roster from top to bottom with uh with hungry talent combined with select veterans that were all of the mindset of going out there and building something together. And, you know, Don had been part of, you know, ECW and we've all been around in many places in the industry over the years where you, you kind of see that group starting to come together and starting to gel for, for the good of all. Everybody obviously still always has their own, their own uh, interests and, and, you know, values themselves, but we really put together a group that just came together and said, hey, I'm going to do great for myself and for this company, which I think is a, is a big part of why we've been able to be successful is because in front of the camera and behind the camera, we've got a group that's bought into what we're doing and they buy into it because they've been a part of the journey. They've been a far, part of the sacrifice and having to persevere and they're part of coming out on the success on the other side. So everybody uh, sees this as a team win. And I think Don kind of alluded to it earlier. It was kind of nice having the, the phone blow up and for all good reasons, both people within the company and then also outside of the company, the people that reached out that basically just were like, you know, good for you guys, you know, like congratulations. Like it's, you know, we've, we've, we've had to persevere through a lot of hard times. And this week has really been a, an exciting week for for digging our, our, our flagpole in and saying, here we are, we're here to stay, and we're moving forward, onward, and upward. It's, it's interesting, like when we came in, we made the, the, um, the comparison to football coaches coming in, and you, you, know, you clean house. You, you clean house of assistant coaches. You, you move on from certain talent. And I, 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 one thing we've been very consistent on is we've, we've moved on from some talent in the last year and a half or so, and some of them, you know, we've taken, you know, people criticize initially. It's like, oh, well, why would you let Bobby Lashley go? Well, guess what? Here's Brian Cage, you know. So we wanted to, and what we've gotten very good at, because, you know, obviously, as you're well aware, um, the wrestling landscape is highly competitive now. And you have promoters who, you know, are willing to pay more than they would have three years ago just to keep someone off the market. So in, in an atmosphere like that, um, you know, you, you either get really good at adapting and being nimble and making new people. And to me, that's the secret sauce. Like, you want to talk to me about, you know, who's a good booker, who's not a good booker. To me, if you're a good booker, you're able to make new stars. And, you know, Scott and I and Jimmy Jacobs and, and, and Tommy um, have, have over the last number of months uh, had to be good at that. And it's like, well, someone someone leaves or we move on from someone and we create someone new because the raw talent is there. And now uh, our job is less about teaching or telling someone how to wrestle and more about looking what at what they are, the tools they have, and then going, how do we turn the volume up? How do we make this person into someone who doesn't just have great wrestling matches, but, but tells a story and can draw money? So, you know, we've had to get good at that. And as I said to Scott, you know, it was great training for when we have the platform because now we know how to do it, you know? Yeah, I think I think one of the things that, that where me and Don really do complement each other, and we've chatted about this a few times, is I love to go out and scout. I love to find young talent. I mean, I'll always be rooted in being a coach and a trainer. Um, and I love, I love to find that talent and bring them to a certain point. And I love to see that moment where Don, where a, where a light bulb goes off in his head with the talent who maybe he's, he's been watching them, he knows there's something, he hasn't quite figured out that Don finds a little something that he wants to really dig his claws into and develop. And I think one of the things we've really done well in the last two years is finding a good talent and then developing it. We don't, we don't say, hey, he's a great wrestler. 
let's just let's just let him keep going out there and be a great wrestler. We you look at what we did with Eddie Edwards. You look at what we're starting to do with Ace Austin. You look at what we've done. We try to adapt to to the talent we have. We try to take what their what their wrestling abilities are and figure out how to form something around that. I mean, as people always say, the great bookers find ways to highlight people's strengths and and to you know minimize their weaknesses. And in today's wrestling landscape, there's there's a, a lot of great wrestlers, but they have really underdeveloped the performance side of their game when it comes to the, the non-wrestling part. So we really worked hard on, on getting a good core roster and then developing it. This really is, I mean, it's a it's an elite group, but it's also a group that still needs some nurturing. They have a very, very young roster. And watching how this talent comes along from when they walk in the door whether it be Jordan Grace or the Rascals or any of it, and seeing how they grow and develop through this, I think is one of the real exciting parts of this job. Scott does a great job, Chris, um, with finding that talent, as he said, much like a scout in a football team. It's like you find those hidden gems. And uh, we'll joke over drinks, you know, about how uh, we work together. And Scott, will, I'll go like, Scott will go, yeah, like, well, Ace Austin, like, we're really bringing him along. Like, oh, I love what you're doing with him. I'm like, hey, thanks, man. And they'll be like, remember what you said when I first brought him in? You didn't see anything in him, and now he's... <laughs> and I'll go, yeah, you know what? Like, whatever it is, we have a few laughs. But, you know, brother, I tell you, it works because, like he said, he scouts it, he finds it, and he's pretty much always on the money with it. Hasn't been wrong yet about a talent that he's brought in. And then it's like, it, I got to be around people for a while and kind of see, like, who is this person? What's the background? And sometimes I'll kind of talk to them on the sly and pick up the odd thing, and then it'll come to me, and I'll just be like, this is what we need to do with this guy. And if the talent buys into it, man, then it, then that's when I think the magic can happen. It's a smart move because I know it's something that they, they, they used to do in WWE. I'm, I'm sure they still do. I, m- I remember when they brought in all the guys from WCW, and they had one-on-one meetings, and Shane Helms came in. What's that tattoo? It's the Green Lantern. Why? Because uh, I love comic books, the superheroes, and that led him to become, you know, the Hurricane. You're finding these guys, and it seems to me, it must be getting harder and harder to find talents that you can sign because obviously WWE's signing up everybody. AEW's now on the scene. Ring of Honor's still trying. I mean, they just signed. Uh, I can't remember. They just signed somebody the day of some merit that I had heard of, but you know, bringing in Roosh and those type of guys as well. So where are you finding these guys? Uh, how, are you, how are you scouring the globe and still being able to find talent that you can build upon? Because you've gotten some real gems over the last couple months even. Yeah, I think that one of the things that has really worked for us is going around with our, our Twitch broadcasts and such and, and, and involving and getting engaged with, with local promotions, whether it's Destiny and Smash in Ontario or, or uh, you know the Wrestling Revolver or, or OBW you know, or Big Time Wrestling. We go out there... We, we get to see talent in an environment, you know, because, I mean, we've all had to do it where we've walked into a major company and been like, okay, you've got, uh, you've got seven minutes, don't go outside of the ring, you can't use the microphone, and here's the 87 moves you can't use because there's somebody's finisher signature moves. Now go show us how good you are. Uh, that's a tough environment to right. really get a true gauge of people. So getting to go out there and watch people perform on a pro wrestling revolver or a rock star pro show or, you know, a Destiny show, they're in a little more comfort, and they're out there, they're in their element, and you get to see them when they're not so scared about making mistakes. And then you get to take a look at that and say, okay, well, here's attributes that I think they possess that I think could make them good. And I think wrestling is now, you know, WWE has the performance center, and I think our how we, how we evaluate potential in wrestlers has certainly changed. It used to be, you know, hey, if you get over, you get over. And that's certainly true to to a certain extent. But if you're going to have a funnel where you're bringing athletes in, you want to be funneling in the right athletes. So when you look at the footwork and the movement and the mobility and all that, then you can see it. Then you get a chance to engage with them in a locker room where they're not feeling like they're talking with an executive, where they're just talking with, you know, one of the boys, even if there is still some, some lingering, you know, executive uh, cloud there but you really get a better chance to get a feel for the person both how they they intermingle with people for their personality and also certainly their performance so that's something that's really worked and you know we have great networks out there don despite as many years away has kept many contacts in the business i try to keep in touch with as many people as i can and there's there's lots of recommendations and there's you know just going through and 
being at events is still the ideal way to find talent and you just look for it and see what boxes are checked. And, you know, obviously the biggest box to check is the one that that magical it. So until you find that it, you check as many of the footwork, mobility, flexibility, you know, uh, boxes as you can. And then you get them in the funnel and you see how they develop. And a lot of it is, hey, if we saw them in this environment, let's take them somewhere else, put them in a different environment and keep bringing them along. Hey, Chris, you know you know what the new strategy is for Scott and I to, to find talent, right? What's that? We send Brian Cage down to the next AEW show, and he, he's actually there just scouting talent. He's not there, uh, not there looking for work. <laughs> I saw him this last time. I saw him he's, this like, last he's like time. a giant. He's like a 280-pound Trojan horse. That's, <laughs> that makes us sound smart. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. All right, so we talked about... Hey, Chris, uh, that... that that would have been great for Demore and I, except neither one of us ever took any bumps. <laughs> Your goal was always to uh, make the most money in the business and not take any bumps, and uh, you guys are once again doing that all over again. <laughs> and I wanted to ask you too: Who's making more paychecks from more different companies, Tommy Dreamer or Conan? <laughs> <laughs> That's a hell of a race. <laughs> um, Let's talk about about some of the some of the uh, talent that you've built up because there's there's actually quite a uh, impressive uh, roster, uh, and we, we were mentioning Brian Cage earlier. I mean, when you got him uh, a couple years ago and and and, and you've built him quite well, uh, let's just talk about the the Brian Cage and Tessa Blanchard and Sammy Callahan and kind of all of these the, these top talents that you have that that were not at the same level before you guys arrived. Yeah, I mean, I think when you, when you look at it, I mean, those are the ones at the top end of the spectrum, the, you know, the Sam, the Sammies and the, the Cages, the Tessas. That's been a real key. I mean, building our own stars, that's something that, you know, has been fumbled many times in this industry and certainly in this company's past, and that was important. And then, you know, as Don alluded to in the current environment, where uh, you have to always be ready to pivot and change, something that we both feel very strongly in and part of our company mantra is we need to have depth. And that's something that's important to us. And, and part of that is, you know, going out there, no matter who you're pushing, you have to always have those other stars simmering underneath. And when you look at the great young town, talent like Jordan Grace, you know, when you, when you look at uh, guys like Ethan Page and Josh Alexander, who have been unsung stars on the Indies, you look at a guy who's been around the indie scene forever and nobody ever saw anything in him, and I don't know how, it's fall apart. And we try to get our hands into those people, get working with them on a hands-on level, and bring out those good attributes in them. And it's, uh, we have a great team together when you look at it with Don and with Dreamer and Jimmy Jacobs, and, you know, we joke with like Conan. I mean, these are all people that have a, a ton of experience in the wrestling industry, and as a group, we each sometimes take our, our own little projects, but we really do take a group approach to bringing this talent along. And that's been one of the real rewarding parts of the job for me, and I know Don as well, is, you know, you, you take a look and you, you see a guy like Desmond Xavier who was here once before, and he kind of floundered because he was just he was just set out there to be a guy to do flips. And then we took something they, they had kind of created on their own, which gives them even more pride of ownership with the Rascals. And we gave it a platform and fine-tuned it and made it more TV-ready and friendly. And, and it really has allowed Dez and Wentz and, and Trey to, uh, to all really flourish. Especially, you know, I mean, like Trey, I think, is, is 22 years old. Like these, Our roster is so young, so there's so much good still to come. And uh, we're just going to keep nurturing them along. Don? Yeah, I mean, it, it really is. It, to me, that's the fun of it, right? It's like there's lots of stuff that Scott and I get to do that's really cool and really fun. Um, but for me, it's like if you really press me on the thing I like best, and a lot of people will say, you know, oh, you probably like commentary for this. Commentary is like 
after you do all the work, that's kind of like the relaxing kind for me because it just comes very easily. The fun of it to me is like what we talked about. It's like you you take that young talent, you're working a pre-tape with them, and you get something out of it that wasn't there before. And that, as Scott said, that light bulb goes on. Um, I'm a big believer that in any segment, multiple things, it's like, Chris, you've taken acting lessons and stuff. You have to react to the person that you're across from. Things have to be happening. So if we have OBE, when we first had OBE, there's like, there's, you know, Sammy and the Chris, and it was all Sammy, and the Chris would stand there. And, and then it was like, okay, so I had seen the Eric and Donald Trump Jr. thing on uh, Saturday Night Live, where Eric Trump was always trying to, trying to imitate his brother. So I started having Jake do that with Sammy. Then we got something for Dave. Now everyone's got something they're doing. Everyone's contributing in a different way. So that, to me, it's like when you have that breakthrough with a talent creatively and you see it working, because it's not just that you get to write it. You get to see the actors hitting out of the park, in this case, the wrestlers. That, to me, is probably, if you press me, my favorite thing to do in the business right now. I just love the fact, like, once again, because when, when, when formerly TNA was very hot and drawing whatever it was, 2 million viewers a show, I think you were there, Scott, you had AJ and Samoa Joe and, and then Gail and, and Awesome Kong and all of these homegrown stars that were exciting to watch. You could only see them on, on, on TNA. And now, I mean, when you look at, uh, I think to me, like Sammy Callahan, obviously I didn't really know who he was before the... Uh, you know, the accident that happened with Eddie Edwards. And then suddenly he's the most talked about name in the business. And you embraced it. You took the negative and, and turned it into a positive, the old Vince McMahon adage. Did you expect him to be as much of a player in your company when, when you first uh, when you first signed on? Yes, yeah, Sammy came on uh, actually just shortly before me and Don took over. And uh, it was actually the, some tapings up in Ottawa, Ontario, Canada. And you can see that there is, there is a spark there. And then as we rolled up our sleeves and got involved, you can certainly tell, because there's something about Sammy, he's got such he's got such a passion. Like, I mean, he eats, sleeps, lives this this business. And he's he's always thinking, he's, his mind's always turning. He's got a little bit of that mad science, which uh, we all know is good in this industry. So our thing has been, you know, kind of harness and focus all of that passion and all of that energy in one direction. And I don't think, I don't think it's an exaggeration to say that before Sammy Callahan joined the Chris Bombers, OBE was struggling, but he came in as a spark. And as soon as he came in, it helped Dave and Jake kind of find themselves as a group. They were able to do something that the two of them was just the tag team couldn't. And now we've added another great young talent with Madman Fulton, who's going to be a star. And uh, they're able to feed off of each other and support each other. And we've kind of found those things, you know, as, as, as Don said. I mean, Sammy's such a powerful character. We just have to focus. We had to find what there was about, about Jake Chris. And he moved on from just being, you know, the, the Saturday Night Live skit with the Trumps to finding his whole, his whole golden draw character that he has now. And Dave has kind of morphed into that kind of, slightly disgruntled, always questioning older brother, and then you've got the crazy beast. So, Sammy's really been a formula part of developing all those guys. I mean, he has a great little thing in, in Dayton. Uh, you know, I like to call it the cult. They live on the end of the ugliest cul-de-sac in America, <laughs> and uh, they got a bunch of wrestlers living in a couple houses. And that's that type of creative environment where people just feed off of each other. And, uh, you know, that's been a great source for us, and we've tried to carry over that type of uh, energy into other aspects and other talents with the company. So, yeah, Sammy's been a great force both for himself and also for this company. And he's a guy that goes out there and performs every night, and he's one of the first guys to stand up and say, damn it, I'm an impact guy. So that's cool. Sammy was actually the first guy because, um, I mean, I didn't officially start till January 2018. Um, but I had gone to New Japan. Actually, I think, Chris, you, you might have even been there because you were doing the thing with Kenny mm -hmm. in November. And Sammy was the first roster guy that I met because he was on a New Japan tour. And I had seen tape, and I wasn't sure what I was going to feel about him and stuff because I was old school, and I'm like, okay, this guy doesn't wear trunks. I'm not sure I'm going to like him. And right. Whatever, I'd heard good things. And I sat down, I looked him face-to-face -face in the New Japan locker room, and to me, he looked slightly insane. He looked like one of the yes. guys from the Road Warrior movie that rode the trikes and stuff. And I went, 
this guy looks dangerous. There's something here. We can do something with him. And he's just been tremendous. Yeah, and you're right. And I think that's something that's kind of missing uh, in this day and age. Uh, I know Regan and I used to talk about it. You know, in England, the term is hard. Guys that look a little bit crazy, guys that look a little bit off. Uh, I don't care if you're small. I don't care if you're big. If you have that glint in your eye where you look like you could literally, like if it came down to the wire and you got in a fight with somebody, you know, and you had to kill them to survive, do you look like you would do that? And Sammy definitely has that vibe to him, which makes him into a star. And, and you helped cultivate that. But, but Don, tell me some of the other people there that you've helped to cultivate over the years. Who are some of your favorite talents to work with uh, as far as how much they've grown with your, uh, your, 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 your wise guidance, shall we say? Yeah, and I mean, I think it's all of our wise guidance. But yeah, I mean, obviously, um, you know, when he was there, Johnny Impact, because he was a guy who I always thought, like, how the hell did WWE screw this guy up because he's got everything? And so kind of working with him on his character, um, you know, being able to take a guy like Michael Elgin, who was a rock star in New Japan, but was tired of kind of the system where you have to wait, and then bringing him here and not just doing the easy thing, which is to put him out there to have great Japanese-style, strong-style matches, but then tweaking that character where he's the guy that sends people to hospitals in an ambulance and working with him on his promos. You know, I think uh, Ty of Valkyrie, uh, who's the longest reigning now Nakos champion in history, she went from someone who, who came in, I was like, ah, you know, she's talented, she's athletic, I'm not seeing it yet. Um, we've worked with her and she's done a great job of really becoming one of the best pure heels in the whole business because she actually wants to get heat. Um, so she's been phenomenal. Tessa obviously, um, came in, uh, and it, and it's really has in some ways, the things we've been doing with Tessa are really revolutionary because I, we're the only company, we're the first company to have a woman who's actively and competitively competing, uh, in the men's division. And I think, you know, we're fortunate in that I think Tessa is actually one of the few women uh, in the history of the business who can do that credibly, and it's because of the style that she wrestles. So it's hard to name all of them because I have so much fun uh, working with all the talent, but those are a few that you kind of go like, yeah, that was cool, and we, we moved the needle for the talent. We worked with them collaboratively to get them better or to get them to the next level. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Yeah, let's talk a little about Tessa because when, uh, you know, you've been building her for a while and she's uh, got such a presence. She really is, to me, one of the top stars in your company for men or women, either or. Uh, What, I guess guess the question is, you mentioned you have her in there working with with men, Uh, much like China. It's very believable when when China did it because the way they pushed her, it's believable when Tessa does it because the way she works. What what do you what's kind of the end game for Tessa? Do you still have her work with men, or are you bringing in more women to kind of keep that division going? Does she jump back and forth? What's your what's your mindset for for her and her character? I think she's definitely someone who can go. Like if you look now, Taya Valkyrie has been built into this juggernaut of a of a knockout champion. Taya Valkyrie beat Tessa Blanchard in the street fight a few months ago. So there, this is where I kind of like the old Paul Heyman booking of split people apart, let people forget, and then bring them back together. Gato does that well with New Japan, as we know. So that there, there's that option for Tessa. And I think you hit it right on the head, though. The reason that she's able to do what she does with such success is not because she does, you know, a tremendous double Lindy or triple moonsaults or whatever. It's the intensity with which she performs in the ring. When she runs the ropes, she runs the ropes. When she throws a forearm, she throws it strong style. And she's gotten great at selling. So she's, people forget she's, she's, you know, 24. She's very young, but she's really picked it up. And it, it is really, if I had to say one thing that makes her special, it's her intensity. 
Yeah, and um, the other uh, kind of a, a guy who just came in, this one was really important to, to your company, and I thought it was very interesting and very telling. When Michael Elgin leaves New Japan and signs with Impact, it seems with so many options that when you can sign a talent like Michael Elgin, uh, that must have been kind of a coup for you, but it also sends the message that like Impact, even at the time you're on Pursuit, we're not just lying down and 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 going away like we will sign your guys uh how important was it for elgin to kind of be with impact and kind of project that message to the world yeah important things with the signing of michael elgin was that this was a guy who was deeply embedded in new japan was making great money had a good spot he made a conscious decision that i'm going to leave new japan pro wrestling and i'm going to go to impact wrestling He's a guy who from the outside, from day one, you know, was buying into what me and Don were trying to put together. Elgin is a wrestling machine. I mean, the guy eats, he trains, he lives wrestling and working out. That's what he is at his core. And he saw what we were doing and he was excited about it. And even though he was in a company that's a fantastic company to work for and, you know, is doing great business, he looked at it and said, I want to be in that place. And he wanted to be it because he bought into the system and he believes in, in what we're doing. And also because he's got that hunger inside of him. He wants to be the very best. And all of us have our egos. Michael Elgin's ego is driving him to say, I'm going to be the guy to lead Impact Wrestling into an entirely new era. I'm going to be the guy standing there in the middle when this company is a, is a tremendous success and is at the top of the mountain. And it's great having driven talent like that come and join you on a journey like we're going on. So I, I don't think you can underestimate the value of having Michael Elgin join us. What um, is your mindset going forward? Because once again, like we said, the stakes have been raised all across the board, all around the wrestling world. Some people say it's a golden age of wrestling. I say it's definitely a, a very uh, fertile time for wrestling, especially if you are in the ring as far as contracts and that sort of thing. How aggressive are you guys going to be now that you're on a fairly major television network to both attract new talent and, and keep the talent that you have uh, on your roster? I think that one of the things that's been to our benefit so far has been that talent that we talk to will say, hey, I watch your show. I think it's way better than what I see from WWE. I love your show. It's my favorite show on TV. I love the way you guys book. Um, we'll also hear, you know, I heard you guys have a great locker room, which we do. We'll also hear, I love the roster. I love the talent. The one piece I think that maybe wasn't spoken, but that a lot of people I'm sure were thinking is, well, yeah, but the platform. Yeah, but what's the stability situation? And obviously this past week, we've solved both of those issues. And so I think now it's like, there's really no holding back. And Scott's right. Elgin was a guy who, who left a, probably a lifetime position with New Japan to come here because he wanted to push himself, because he wanted to go next level. And that's another great message as we recruit talent is we're a place that, look, I used to say the best thing that happened to me in ECW, Paul Heyman let me succeed or fail based on my own merits but it was an open system. You come to impact, you know, we're not holding you back. We're going to put a rocket up your ass if, if we can, and we're going to get you over and we're going to let you do your thing. That creative freedom. And, and, and now with the stability, I think makes us a destination for talent and allows us to be more competitive than we have been the last few months as we've kind of waited for this deal to come to fruition. You mentioned New Japan a few times uh, as, as we start to wind down here. And as we know, New Japan is on Access TV. Um, Women of Wrestling, wow, also on Access TV. So with Impact uh, starting up, um, when are you guys starting? Have you announced that yet? Yeah, so far we've just announced that it's, uh, it's coming up. It's going to be this fall. We're uh, finalizing those uh, details. We're okay. you know, mere hours into owning the network. And obviously there's a lot of things to work through but we're excited to, to make our debut this fall so bottom line it's, it's coming soon it'll be in the next few months so how does that affect the status of new japan and well wow well, well, i guess but new japan more specifically and is there talks with them to to form some kind of an alliance or something along those lines is, is there room for three wrestling companies on access are you trying to kind of do an alignment with them 
Well, I think that our philosophy is, has been very clear for two years now that we we are willing to embrace an open market and we're willing to, to partner and do business with a large variety of, of uh, partners in the wrestling industry. And New Japan and WOW are both properties on, on access and New Japan has a great following there. Uh, wow, we're just going into, there's a, you know, just started a new season and there's more episodes being filmed next week out in California. So, I mean, I think it's kind of business as usual from a, from a network perspective. And then when you look at it, you know, from our perspective, certainly there's some, some synergies that can probably be taken advantage of and explored with uh, other wrestling companies that share the same, you know, television platform. Will you still work for New Japan, Don, or, is, or how does that, what's the relationship there? Um, I guess from my perspective, I mean, I never really formally stopped. I mean, a lot of it, frankly, in their defense has been um, based on my schedule, which is busy. I know that clearly, and I mean, you, you had tweeted about it last year. There was a period of time where they thought they could easily replace me on commentary um, because I was expensive and I would only come in for one day at a time. Um, and they tried a few guys, and, it, and there was a tremendous backlash. And then they, they asked me to come back uh, for Tokyo Dome, uh, which I did partially because, you know, uh, you, know you were going to be on the show, and Kenny, and obviously we're all very close. Um, and I've been back four times this year, and I think for me the sweet spot in terms of going overseas is maybe five or six. So I'm really not far off that. But, um, you know, just with as busy as Scott and I have been, I haven't given it a ton of thought. Um, so I would say... To use the old uh, the old Sean Connery line, never say never again. So uh, I won't say that it'll never happen, but uh, you know, it definitely has to be kind of under the right circumstances, and ha- you know, has to be the right situation for me announcing wise. You know, who are you going to have me announce with? That that would be a question too, because at my age, Chris, uh, I'm not looking to uh, to go training any new boys here. So you know, I just need to know kind of what I'm doing. So it's a great company that has a rich history, and I'm very very tight, as you know, with a lot of the talent there. So who knows? You know, we'll see what the future holds. When you, um, I, I guess, just the last couple of things, um, are you planning on still kind of continuing the business model that you have where you do your TV tapings and you do live shows, road shows, a lot of times you tie them in with other companies, but you also focus on smaller rooms like theaters. I know you just did that LA run where you did, uh, I was at the Galaxy Theater or whatever, focusing on those type of 1,000, 1,500-seaters and, and focusing on, on selling those out and having great crowds. Has that, has that been a good business model for you? Has it helped build your brand, do you feel? Well, I think one of the, the, the beliefs that Don and myself share is that going into a smaller room that is full of rabid people that are, are really into what you're doing is a much better environment than, than going into a large, sterile room you know, with, with that it's half filled or that has, you know, seats filled with uninterested people. So going into to smaller venues and, and making sure we can go in there and, and produce a, a passionate and engaged crowd, I think has been something that's worked well for us. We started to, to slowly and surely tackle, you know, slightly larger buildings, and we'd like to continue to do that. But we want to evaluate and be honest with ourselves. It's important that we can be honest with ourselves on where we are and make sure we continue to go places where we're going to fill buildings and most importantly, fill it with passionate fans that are really digging what we're doing. And as far as uh, who are some of the talents that you're looking forward to building more uh, over the next, you know, once again, like we said earlier, now that you have all these great shows that a lot of people didn't see, I mean, that's in the past. I'm sure you have a lot of ideas. Who's, who's on your radar as, as uh, major players possibly in the future if things go the way you want them to? Good stuff. I mean, I think uh, I was just going to say, I mean, obviously we're going to be building a lot behind guys like Michael Elgin and Eddie Edwards and Sammy's, you know, that top core. And then I really think that, I mean, guys like the Rascals, I mean, we've just touched the, you know, the tip of the iceberg with those guys. And Ace Austin is a young guy. I mean, barely out of his teens is coming into the zone. And Jordan Grace has a unique charisma that is, is pretty hard to define. And then seeing the growth and maturity of a performer like Kira Hogan, who almost, like not even a year ago, almost looked timid in the ring. And now she's just embraced being a heel and being herself. 
I mean, those are all talents that I'm, that I'm looking forward to seeing uh, what we can do with them in the coming months. And then, you know, it, it just keeps rolling. You tack on the North, Madman Fultz, and we just, we're, we really are rich in a sense of young, talented athletes that's now in, in our hands to work with them and mold them to be main eventers in the next year or two years. Anybody else, Don, that you can think of? It's, um, yeah, I, I mean, it for sure, it's like, I mean, I'll go back to Ace Austin. We mentioned him a couple of times. The kid's 22. He's got a theater background. He's a phenomenal, freaky athlete, and he's just starting to hit his stride. And he had a he's had two matches now with Eddie Edwards, who might be the best all-around wrestler in the world right now, in terms of being able to have a, a great match with anybody, anytime. And uh, and Ace took a huge step forward. Eddie's no Eddie's no night off. I mean, Eddie goes hard, strong style, Japanese. He chops hard. He hits hard. And Ace has really stepped up. So it's kind of like, and I'm excited. Like, I don't think we've scratched the surface with Eddie. I think we've come a long way with his character. But it's like, you go to the building, Eddie's always, you know, one or two in terms of the most over baby face on any card he's on. And his matches, it's like his match, you had a match with Elgin in Los Angeles. That's one of the best wrestling matches I've ever seen. Just as a fan, I mean, to sit and watch that. So I think we haven't scratched the surface with him, Elgin. Scott mentioned Kira Hogan. She's been phenomenal. So, and, and really more to come as we sign more guys. The Rascals, who have been a mainstay and kind of like that bulletproof babyface team, I think once we really get behind pushing the Rascals as true main event stars, I think they're going to be the hottest thing in the business for a period of time. I like Rich Swan too. I think uh, he's uh, he's someone you'll be able to do a lot more. Oh with. my God! Yeah, just great talent. I have to ask this in, in, in you know major sports that happens quite often too, where a certain athlete will just sit on the sidelines and come to a stalemate. What is the uh, is there any updated status on Killer Cross? Are you still trying to work things out with him? Will the Access TV deal help that situation, or is it something you're just kind of uh, letting it go organically organically at this point? Yeah, that situation is kind of just uh, where it is, unfortunately. And, you know, Cross is a guy that myself and Don both enjoyed working with for the time that he was active with us and the guy that showed up and did his thing. And, you know, we'll see how the things play out. That's kind of out of our hands. And we'll just uh, kind of see what the future holds. Last question. What's your favorite uh, over the last two years since you've been at Impact? What's your favorite storyline uh uh, match uh, a, a great memory from from the shows that you've done because a lot of them had some quality amazing uh, moments. Do you have one that stands the out? The appearance, the appearance of the fake rhino black scorpion at Slammiversary would be mine, eh, Scott? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean that was pretty fantastic. That, that was pretty great. Uh, That's where you had that everybody too. convinced that it was rhino, but apparently rumors say that it might not have been rhino. Well, we can neither confirm nor deny. Um, I'd have to say one of the things for me was uh, was actually the, the heel turn with Moose and what what we've been able to mold there with him. I mean, we took a guy who was uh, in a rut, I would say respectfully, as uh, as kind of like a cookie cutter baby face that was just kind of doing what he was doing, and we really brought out uh, some amazing stuff in the ring with him as a heel, a guy who gets actual heat, and then also have been able to. Uh, to be able to bring him along as far as for his talking and his promo ability to a, to a level that I think there's certainly some people who question whether, whether he had it in him. And, uh, I mean, I think it's, he's, he's done great with it and we're excited to, uh, to keep going, but it's been really cool watching a guy like that. who's a, who's a real stud athlete, but it's kind of in a rut and us, you know, be able to shock him out of that and get him back in a development phase where he's progressing at such a rapid level again. Well, uh, it's exciting times for sure. And Don, what is the uh, future of? Is there going to be a big contract offer to a Red Cup Jeff uh, after his uh, second appearance on the show? Well, I, I call him Vegas Jeff, but yeah, um, I talked to him yesterday. Uh, he, what a great—he's like the Swiss Army knife. You know, you uh, you need him to be in a segment, he's in a segment. You need him to find you tickets for something, he finds you tickets for something. He's just a good Winnipeg kid. <laughs> He's always got the red cup. Uh, I don't know what's in it. I try not to ask. But, uh, yeah, he'll be making a special appearance on an upcoming episode. And uh, and I enjoyed getting seeing him getting potatoed by Eddie Edwards. <laughs> and he's a hell of a singer. Don't forget that. Hell of a singer. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Some things, uh, what happens in Vegas uh, stays in Vegas for sure. 
But uh, guys, yeah, once yeah. again, congratulations. This is a huge announcement and it's exciting. Like you said, hard to kill. And the fact that you guys are, uh, are running it, I was, I was pulling for you. So it's really, really exciting. And once again, adds another element to this crazy time in wrestling where you now have uh, impact on a major United States television station. And uh, look out, baby. You guys are motivated now. And I know you're a vindictive son of a bitch, Callus. So I can't wait to see you uh, avenge all of your enemies. Well, like, well, hey, like, Chris, more than I always like hey, to say. I was just going to say, Chris, don't underestimate how, uh, how uh, scummy I can be when it comes to exacting my revenge. Me and Don make a perfectly wonderful, nasty team. I didn't know uh, if I was allowed to say that with I, your family ties. What were you going to say, Don? Uh, as Demore as, hey, hey. and, and I say, in unison, out loud before every show, we're taking over. <laughs> On that note, gentlemen, congratulations, guys. We'll, uh, hope to see you soon. And Don, I hope don't eat all my snacks next time you come to my hotel room. Have the good whiskey, Chris. What do you think of that, Damore? <laughs> what do you think of that, Damore? <laughs> All right, thanks to Don and Scott. Like they said, Impact will be on Access TV starting this fall. Uh, so much stuff going on in the wrestling world, including Chris Jericho's Rock and Wrestling Rager at Sea. Our cruise is pretty much sold out. I think there's a handful of rooms left. Last I checked, there was eight, probably less right now. We want to see you. This is your last chance. We set sail on January 20th, and there's only, like I said, eight cabins left, maybe less. You got a book now at ChrisJerichoCruise.com. I'm not going to have to be doing this hard sell much longer. You got to come hang out with me for the vacation of a lifetime for the AEW, uh, Ric Flair, the NWO, Jake the Snake Roberts, book T MVP Fluffy is the guest host. I mean, it's one of the biggest comedians in the world today. Vicky Guerrero is going to be there. Shaw Guerrero, Chavo Guerrero, uh, uh, Jack Slade, Red Cup Jeff, as we talked about, Conrad Thompson, Fozzie, Farewell to Fear, Rubik's Cube, Killer Queen, Light the Torch, Kick Axe, Dave Spivak Project, Jared James Nichols, who's on the road with us right now on the Unleashed in the West Tour, The Bucks, Kenny Omega, Cody, Brandy, Hangman, Moxley, Luchasaurus, Jungle Boy, Nyla Rose, Penelope Ford, Sammy Guevara, Private Party, DDP doing live DDP workouts on the ship. Beyond the Darkness telling ghost stories, scaring the crap out of you. Bruce Jingles is going to be there. Craig Gass is going to be there. Uh, Sarah Tiana not going to be there. She got pregnant. I think Brad Williams might be the father. I'm not sure, but it's okay. It's going to be a great cruise. Either way, join us. Get one of the last cabins now, ChrisJerichoCruise.com. And when we come through your town, come see Fozzie. The Unleashed in the West Tour is on. We're in Sacramento tonight for a sold-out show uh, at the Mesa Theater. And then tomorrow, Iron Maiden in Los Angeles. That show is sold out. Saturday night, Maiden, Fozzie in L.A. at the Bank of California Stadium. And then we continue. On the 15th, we go to Las Vegas at Counts Vamped. 18th, San Diego, Brick by Brick. 19th, Tempe, Arizona at Club Red. 20th, Tucson, Arizona at Encore. September 21st at El Paso, Texas at Speaking Rock. Uh, that's a casino as well with Sons of Texas. September 25th, Dallas at Canton Hall with Sons of Texas. September 26th, Houston uh, at Warehouse Live with Sons of Texas. September 27th, Hattiesburg, Mississippi at Brewskies. And we finish off September 28th in Atlanta, Georgia at the Masquerade. All ticket info at FozzyRock.com. Also, check out our amazing VIP meet and greet package. We do it before each show. One of the best in the business. We do a live set for you. Five songs. Songs you're not going to hear later on that night. We do them just for you. We hang out, take pictures, meet you, greet you, all that sort of stuff. FozzyRock.com for all information. And we are done for this week. But coming up on Wednesday, they were about to storm Area 51. That's been canceled, thankfully. But we still talked about it a couple weeks ago with a, uh, uh, a couple dudes that live in Roswell talking all about the storm Area 51 movement, going back into the alien world. UFOs, strange sightings, weird, weird stuff. Lots of weird, wacky stuff going on. So we'll see you on Wednesday, and we'll see you uh, tomorrow. Bank of California Stadium in Los Angeles, opening for Iron Maiden. I'll give you a full report next week. Until then, stay hard, stay hungry, peace, love, and hugs, and a big yeah, boy.